Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody welcome back to another edition of the teardown my name is jeff gluck i'm a motorsports writer for the athletic and along with the other motorsports writer currently for the athletic well i didn't mean currently like you might not be with the athletic i mean we're adding more motorsports writers <laughs> jordan Am I leaving? you know something i don't know are you breaking news about me this that is, was this that is was awkward, awkwardly worded i what i'm trying to say is right now there's only one other motorsports writer where am i going <laughs> But we're in the future soon. We're adding uh, some F1 coverage, and so that will be another motorsports writer. So I did. <laughs> Why going to the F1 side, Jeff? What, tell me about my future. You know about my future more than. No, I, I said do. motorsports. I said motorsports. That encompasses <laughs> everything. It's just that you know. Anyway, boy, I, this is off to a, <laughs> a awesome. great start okay. already, Jordan. How are how are you doing, Jordan? I'm doing well. It's been good. It's been a busy week. It's this kind of seems like every week there's something going on, and it's been fun. And I'm. Uh, I'm excited to get to LA, man. I really am. I'm uh, I'm ready to get this thing going, and I uh, I'm excited excited to see or interested to see kind of what LA is like, and we'll talk about that more you know down the road as we get closer to it. But um, I'm curious to see about the the momentum and the enthusiasm that was existed last year for the clash, and and whether it's going to be there this year. And just from conversations I've had with people this week about how they're kind of in the same boat, they're very curious to see what it's like. So I always feel like January though like drags on forever. Like January is like the longest month of the year for me. Like it, really? you hit the new year. Yes, absolutely. You oh. hit the new year and it's like, oh my gosh, like we're here. The season's about ready to start. And then like each day feels like three days and you're like, oh my gosh, we're still in the middle of January. Like, can we speed this thing up a little bit? Like, cause oh, I don't, no, no. I mean, it, for me personally, like it, when the calendar flipped to January 2nd, it was, it's been go. It's been like nonstop. And I look at it now and it's January 22nd. It's like, what in the heck is going on? It has just been a whirlwind. Well, two weeks from today, it won't be January anymore. We'll be hopefully uh, having just watched a race at at the LA Coliseum. You know, I know they've had a lot of rain in California lately, so I don't want to like guarantee anything. Um, But it looks like, uh, you know, that's on, on track as scheduled and we'll be there and hopefully the weather will cooperate. And, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about actual racing, but for now we're still in season preview mode for the next two episodes. And that brings us to our annual team by team preview, a look at the cup series. We're going to go team by team, break it all down, talk about what we think for each team, uh, what we might expect, uh, you know, do they need to improve? Are we worried about them staying on top or whatever the case may be? Um, and so we're just going to go in order pretty much of, you know, the standings and how everybody finished. And so Jordan, that brings us to the championship race team from last year, team Penske. Now, um, you know, you could look at team Penske and go, well, 
I mean, that's pretty amazing year, right? Like, um, you know, Joey Logano champion, uh, Austin Sindrick Daytona 500 in his rookie year. Um, Ryan Blaney, you know, managed to make the playoffs, even though, you know, it was, he didn't win a race, but he still made it. Um, so, you know, you look at that and you're like, well, pretty, pretty good year all around for, for a three car team. But oddly, it, it almost feels like they left, uh, some performance on the table. Like they could have done even mm-hmm. better. They could have had even more wins. I mean, Logano, even though he won the championship, um, you know, there was a, a pretty long lull there where it was like, ah, nobody really talked about him as a contender that much. Uh, obviously Blaney having a winless season, you know, he's, he's never going to be satisfied with that. And Cindric, you know, I, I think even though he won the Daytona 500, I kind of had actually <laughs> even, you know, especially like on road courses and stuff. I was like, Oh, yeah. he's going to win a road course. He's going to win a road I thought course. So, too. Um, so I actually think there's room for Penske to get even better this year or, or, you know, improve on last year. I don't think it's like they did everything they could and now they're going to go backwards. I, I think they could be better. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think a lot of that has to do with Ford a little bit, right? I think the conversations I had with some folks, it seemed like Ford was off a little bit in their cars last year. Penske really kind of started to hit on it towards the end of the year on the mile and a half tracks because that was where they kind of struggled a little bit the most. And from the conversation I've had, there, there's a new nose coming on these cars this year along with a rear clip, but specifically related to the nose, there's a belief that Ford might have a little bit more of an advantage or more speed in their cars than they did a year ago. And if that's the case, and they do, they are better than the Chevys and the Toyotas, um, Penske absolutely has room to grow. Um, you look at Austin Sindrick, and to your point, I agree with you. I, I think he should win a road course race this year. I, I will say this. If he doesn't win on a road course this year, I think it's a disappointment. Um, I, I think he should be in the playoffs. I, I think the standard for him should be in the playoffs. I know that maybe he's a high bar for a second-year driver, but with his talent level and skill set and how the schedule sets up, he should be better. Um, Logano is just Logano at this point, right? I mean, you can kind of count on him to win multiple times. He's going to be a guy you, you expect to be in the deep playoff conversation. That team, what they do so well, and I think sets up with this kind of new-age NASCAR when you've got so much change and new tracks and everything else throwing at you all the time, is he and Paul Wolf. They adapt to new things so well. They won at Bristol Dirt, the first race there a couple years ago. Last year, they go to the Coliseum and win. They win at um, Gateway, another new track. They just adapt to to new places so well. So as you're going to places like Chicago, and I'll throw North Wilkesboro in there, even though it's a non-points race. Like they they do these things well. They should be they they should have a typical season for them. And then Blaney, it's really hard to think about him because you look at his numbers last year. And outside of him not winning, he had the same number of top 10s as Joey Logano. He had more top fives than Joey Logano. And he had more stage wins than any other driver by two. That's a really good year by any measure. And yet he didn't win a race. And, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. He almost won Daytona. You could make a case he maybe should have won Phoenix, but he was kind of being a good teammate. Like, he's just got a breakthrough. And and to to me, Ryan Blaney is really kind of the big – I don't want to say question mark because that's not fair. We know what Ryan Blaney is, but – I just want more from him. Like we kind of saw that a glimpse in 2021 when he won three races, but like it is time for him to make the final four. He's never done that in his career. Like, and the two mistakes he had in the round of eight last year at Kansas and at Las Vegas, I'm sorry, no, uh, at Las Vegas and at uh, Homestead that you, you have to get that out of your game. And that happens too much with him. 
that's the big thing I want to see from him this year is eliminate those mistakes, which still crop up too much for him and, and put together a really consistent year to year beginning to end season where he is a threat and, and finally make that final four. You wonder, I mean, maybe this is a totally, you know, spinning an alternate reality, but you wonder if the season would have been different for him had he won the Daytona 500 and Austin Cindric not, you know, put him in the wall, basically coming to the line to win it, which again, you know, you don't can't fault Austin Cindric. No. That. That's how Cindric made the playoffs. But, um, you know, if, if Blaney starts off the season with a win, is the entire mentality of the year different? Um, you know, sometimes racing differently. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, it, it does feel like he always seems to get the short end of the stick with his teammates. Um, for whatever reason, like he's, he's more of like, Hey, I'm going to do this for the team or whatever. And, and he doesn't always like it. And, but you know, he's ultimately put in that position. I think if he can find himself in a position where he just says, you know what, <laughs> screw it. I'm going to be more yeah. selfish or something. Maybe that's what he has to do. Cause everybody else is being that way. But like you said, I mean, you were talking about the, the top tens and the top fives compared to Logano. I mean, you can extend that to average finish as well. His average finish was only his, his was 13.6 Logano 13.5. So, I mean, and and Blaney was in the regular season championship hunt, you know, for for a pretty decent stretch there. So, um, you know, he, he, it seems like there's a lot of potential unlocked there. The the one I, I don't know, you know, we're talking about Cindric's got to win on a road course. Um, I feel like, you know, that that's going to be necessary, not just for like, um, like he, he's capable of doing it. So he needs to do it. But like, I think he's going to have to make the playoffs. Right. Like I don't see, you know, like Cindric, I I think he had a very respectable rookie year, obviously, but very good. I think when you look at it, I mean, he had nine top 10 finishes. His, his teammates both had 17 each. If you have to go, you go back to the last driver, to drive for Team Penske for a full season and have single-digit top 10 finishes in a year was Brad Kozlowski's miserable rookie season in 2010. Um, so, you know, that's there's, there's got to be a performance gain there. I mean, yes, you know, he's a rookie and he's learning and all that stuff, but um, I think you want to see, you need to see drivers, you know, be more competitive with their teammates. That's that's mm-hmm. the best way to measure people, I think. So, um you know, whatever's going on, you know, you, you look at like, you know, teams in the past, like, Oh, SHR, but when they're all struggling or like when Harvick's struggling too, it's, it's easier to forgive some other performances. But, um, you know, when you have one guy win the championship, one guy in the hunt for the regular season title, even though he didn't win a race and, uh, you know, you, you don't have sort of the same stats, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that, that can jump out. So, um, but I, I think he, I think he will improve. So I, I'm not, questioning it i just think uh he he has to in a way i agree with that 100 so what's next what's the next team on our list jeff so next we go to track house and this is a team where i think you could go two ways right because you could look at it and say hey okay well you know they had a, a season nobody expected last year you know finished second in points with chastain both drivers win a race both drivers make the playoffs um now you could easily say well that was sort of uh that was sort of a high point you know that was uh that was that's going to be very tough to replicate um and you know can they can they do that again can they maintain that because that's that's a whole different level i mean 
it's one thing to come out of the box with a new car and be competitive all year, but now everybody's had off season to work. Um, can you keep that? Now I feel like I've, you know, I've learned my lesson there. I can't really question <laughs> them and doubt them because, uh, no, they there. probably want you to though, because they're going to slap that on their wall, man. They're going to, they're going to motivate. You're going to motivate them every single day. Well, I, I don't, I don't care to provide any more bulletin board material in that case, but, um, you know, I will say when you look at it, um, you know, Chastain wins Coda and Talladega, Suarez wins um, Sonoma. And, you know, Chastain, I mean, he, he he was, I think, the only Final Four driver that didn't win in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you could look at it and go, well, he had a great season, which he did because he he made it to the Final Four. He finished second in points, all that stuff. But it he also, better. what's that? It felt like it could have been better. Like they left wins on the table last year. I mean, his his last win was April. Yeah, at Dega. Right. So I mean that that's a pretty long time. So again, when you're looking at it and saying, okay, do we think that this year is going to be like last year? And you pretty much have to win to make the playoffs, and you can't just you know sort of points race um, and have good finishes. I mean, look. I mean, the last four weeks of the year, he goes second at Vegas, second at Homestead, fourth at Martinsville. I mean, obviously. The Martinsville thing, he, he wasn't going to finish fourth, but he did. Um, and then third at Phoenix to finish um, second in points. So, you know, um, I, I think there's there's a lot of promise there, and there's no reason to say, well, they're going to drop off. But at the same time, you know, they, they've got it. They've got to keep getting better, too. Other, otherwise, teams other teams are going to catch up to them. You know, how do you see it? I mean, is, is Suarez going to? improve as Suarez going to Suarez needs to raise his game to match Chastain first of Absolutely. all. Absolutely. And that's the big question mark for me with this team. Well, two question marks. One is to kind of your point, And I hate to use this word because I don't think it's fair, but they have to prove in, in 2023 that last year wasn't a fluke. Right. I mean, the great teams, the Hendricks, the Gibbs, the Penske's, they're great because year in and year out, they win races and they routinely have drivers contend for the championship. Right. Trackhouse now had a great year in 2022. And they almost won a championship, but they got to do it again. And if you're going to truly be one of those elite organizations, you've got to follow it up. And Chastain had a, an amazing year last year by any standard, especially when you consider where this team was at going into the year. But he should have won five races last year, and he didn't, you know, for various reasons. And you, you got to break through that. Two wins is great, but it sounds bad. You know, it, it sounds really bad. Like, hey, this team won two races and they never won a race before, but. They should have won more, and it felt like they left a lot on the table. And the the good thing with this organization, and, I, and I'm confident in, is Ross has proven to be adapt at running pretty much everywhere. He's won on a super speedway. He's won on a road course. He's shown that he can run well on intermediate tracks and short tracks. Like, it's no longer about his ability. He has shown that he's got – if you give him a fast car, he knows what to do with it. The team has to make sure they give him the right equipment. I think Ross is going to win races this year. I don't know how many. I think two, three-ish is, is a fair number. Um, I think he's going to be easily in the playoffs. Um, Suarez, I, I'm less confident about. Um, I, I felt like Suarez, he, he failed to match his teammates' performance a lot of times last year. There was a lot of mistakes. There were some issues on pit road at times. It wasn't his fault. He needs to be more consistent. He needs to kind of emerge and start being a driver who 
is up front and leading laps and winning stages on a regular basis. And he's a guy that I'm curious to see how this season goes. And there, I don't, I'm not hundred percent convinced he wins a race this year. Um, I, I'm serious. I don't know if he's going to make the playoffs. And I think the underlining thing, I don't think it's an issue. Um, we kind of touched on this last week a little bit is both those drivers are in contract years. Um, I think Trackhouse is going to resign both of them for various reasons, but it's still something, it's still an issue until it's not an issue, if that makes sense. So it, it's interesting when you, you know, we talk a lot about teammate comparison and I think that that is very glaring for Suarez. And that's one area where even if he, you know, even if he only wins, you know, one race, um, as long as Chastain's not blowing him out of the water stats wise, I think he's okay. But when you look at last year, I mean, so they end up having pretty much the same amount of like DNFs and lead lap finishes, like one apart on both those. Um, and actually Suarez, uh, favored in, in terms of running at the finish. Um, he had one less lead lap finish than Chastain, but he had eight fewer top tens than Chastain did. And he had nine fewer top fives. So it's not that he's not finishing races or, you know, he's having more failures in his teammate or something like that mechanical or something like that. But you know, his teammate is simply getting the results better. So that's where you need to pick him up, uh, you know, pick things up and just try to measure yourself off that. Um, you know, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's motivating for him because as much as you want to be a team first guy and be like, yeah, awesome. Like this is great for track house, which it is At the same time. Everybody's like Ross, everybody's talking about Ross, 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 Ross. And you see him make the run to the final four. You see him do the Martinsville move, all this stuff. And you're like, Man, uh, how's this look for me? You know, and a year ago too, you look at it. The team was all about Daniel, right? It was all about Suarez and that team. They're building around him. And then when Ross came in, he was almost kind of a, I, I know, not a, not an afterthought, but he was definitely secondary. It felt like, and now it, it's all about Ross, and and, and Suarez has kind of taken a back seat a little bit. So it's it's imperative for for Suarez to kind of reassert himself a little bit and said, "Hey, no, I'm I'm still a guy. I'm still a franchise. I'm still a player that you can build a franchise around." So next on our list is Joe Gibbs Racing. Quite a change um, there, and probably more changes in store with uh, Truex not having a uh, you know much time left and. Uh, who knows how he'll run this year after missing the playoffs last year. Um, but, you know, now their their new team, Kyle Busch out the door, replaced by Ty Gibbs. Um, Bell, obviously, you know, is going to be continuing to rise. You know, he really showed everybody in the playoffs what he's capable of. Hamlin still feels like he's perfectly capable of having a dominating season and making a run to the championship. I don't think he's, you know, dropped off yet in terms of performance. Um, Gibbs, I don't know what he'll do, you know, because clearly the flashes were there, uh, of, of brilliance and the talent shows there in, in his Xfinity series stuff. Um, and he was learning while subbing for 2311, uh, subbing for Kurt Busch doing the double duty, all that stuff. But at the same time, I don't know that he showed, you know, like, I think it started off really well, but I don't know that he showed like amazing, like, wow, this is 
like at the, once he got to, you know, running more cup races. Now, maybe it was a lot to handle. You know, he was, and he was also running for an Xfinity championship right. at the same time as well. So, I, I, yeah, it is interesting, though. Like, he started off really, really well on the cup side. Like, it was like, whoa, this kid's hopping in here and doing really well, finishing well, qualifying well. And then it kind of tapered off. But again, I, I, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and saying, listen, it tapered off as he's also running for an Xfinity Series championship and focusing his attention on that. So maybe he wasn't 100%, you know, in the mindset of cup. Sure. Yes. And uh, I just think we, everybody got excited when he got that top 10 at Michigan and it was like, okay, like this yeah, is really impressive. Um, but then after that, like he had only one more top 15 finish and that was at, uh, Daytona, which was a, you know, wreck fest, uh, mess when the, the whole field got wrecked. Um, so yeah, I mean, 15th in the Southern 500, that's very respectable. But other than that, I mean, there wasn't a lot to get too excited about there results wise. So, you know, how I, you know, you would expect, okay, look, every, every rookie that comes in, I mean, I don't think to, for me, my expectations for rookies are always pretty low now. I don't, I don't, I can't get into the hype for anybody. Like, oh, they're going to come in and do this. Um, but you know, it's possible he could, I mean, he's going to be in amazing equipment. Um, I just don't know if he, you know, I don't. Is, is he going to match what Kyle Busch was even able to do in that car last year? Uh, even though that was just one win and eight top fives. I, I don't, I don't think so. Is he going to get eight top fives? I don't think so. I, I like you. I kind of keep my expectations for rookies muted. Um, I think him winning a race in 2023 is going to be a stretch. I think what, what you want to see out of him is, is first and foremost, just, get the maturity issues kind of in check, right? Not have those those things flare up that, that seemed to kind of flare up a lot last year. We were like, okay, let's you know start making some better decisions, string together consistent finishes, and then as the year goes along, especially towards the end, make sure that you're you're running near and finishing well in the top 10 and kind of building towards the second, you know, second big year when you hit your sophomore year. I, I don't think he wins a race this year. Um, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. kind of are what they are at this point, right? I mean, they're guys that you expect to to be up front and to win stages and win races. I know Truex didn't win last year, but he was second in stage wins. He had a really good year by every metric except for winning. Uh, I, I don't hold him missing the playoffs against him because the guy finished top five in the points in the regular season. And it was just kind of one of those wild, unpredictable years that we've seen that you rarely see. Um, I think both those guys are going to be in the playoffs. I think they're both going to win races. The question mark I have about both of those guys, and this is maybe unfair, but it's the reality is, is their age. They're both 42. Um, we talk a lot of this about how drivers, and it's been documented, our friend David Smith has written, written a lot about this, about how drivers on the other side of 40 start to kind of, their performance diminishes a little bit. Kevin Harvick is the exception, not the norm. Hamlin and Truex are both in that age range is it possible we could start to see them kind of go back a little bit and take a step back? I don't think that's going to happen, but it's a question mark. Right. And yeah, I mean, I, I almost feel like, I wonder if it's sort of, um, you know, with everything we know about health and fitness today and, and all those kinds of things, um, is that going to help drivers go a little longer, uh, before their decline? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to reach their, peak in their forties, but, um, maybe they hold off a little bit more on, on being able to be as relevant and competitive. I mean, the one thing about, you know, I, I agree with you, everything you're saying about Truex, like, you know, he was in contention to win races. He, he should have made the playoffs if it wasn't such a weird fluky season with so many different winners. But the one thing that 
jumps out and it is really odd to me. Uh, he only had four top five finishes last year, which is the fewest number of top five finishes for any Joe Gibbs racing driver since Suarez in 2018 had three. Um, that is a very low, unusually low number for Truex to the fact that, I mean, Christopher Bell had 12 top fives last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Busch was second lowest on the team. He still doubled that number uh, that, that Truex had. So, I mean, very it's just very strange to have a veteran driver who, I mean, he had 13 the year before that, 14 the year before that, 15 the year before that. I mean, Truex has been, you know, reliably, consistently a top five guy like over and over and over again. Sure. And the, the, the actual top fives dropped off last year quite a bit. So that was strange, but uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, it's a great stat and you're right. And I'm not trying to be a Truex apologist or anything, but I look at that a little bit deeper. And he look, I look at three races last year where he had arguably the dominant car or a potentially race-winning car, both Darlington races and Nashville. Um, both Darlington races, he DNF'd. He had a, a mechanical failure in the first, uh, the second one, who was leading the Southern 500, remember that? And then the first Darlington race, he got it, caught up to a crash, not of his own doing, DNF there. Nashville should have won that race. Pit strategy took him out. They had some miscommunication. That's on Truex. They, he admitted it. He screwed up there. Um, and it cost him there a potential win. So those are just three races off the top of my head where like he was going to finish in the top five and maybe win a race. So you're right. I mean, it is alarming and it's concerning, but this was a team that last year, even at Homestead, right? That's a race that he probably was going to finish at minimum second in, but he was leading at the time when he came down pit road late. And then he and Larson had that incident on pit road, which was goofy as heck. And he ends up spinning out. And so it's just kind of that year. It felt like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. So I, I believe in this team. I believe in him. But to your point, I mean, it is concerning. The numbers are what the numbers are. Well, and he also would have made the playoffs um, had he won that New Hampshire race. Sure. That he was he was very much dominating and in position to win that race. And just another mistake. Uh, we, just you talked, know. we just went through five races right there that he should have won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really tough. That's very tough. So, do you think as a whole, um, JGR, you know, improves its performance from a year ago? Like, wh- what should we expect? Because I mean, they they ultimately would. You know, this is a team that is capable, probably, of winning like half the races in a season, just like Hendrick yep. can do, right? And when you look at it, uh, they won six races total last year out of 36 races that that's pretty low for their standard that they've set. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of room to pick it up, but are, are they going to? Yes. And I'll tell you why. And it's because of the one driver we have not mentioned so far. And that's Christopher Bell. I think Christopher Bell is going to have a giant year. I think he's going to have one of those years where you look at him and he asserts himself kind of into that elite category where you like, whoa, you know, going to a racetrack, you're going to have to beat Christopher Bell. And I tell you this for a couple of reasons. One, incredible talent. We've talked a lot about it. He's kind of you know, the sprint car background. He's had the comparisons to some of the greats that come out of there and how he you know, compares to Kyle Larson and everything. He's got a world of talent. And second of all, I look at last fall, and it's not just him winning you know, in those must-win walk-off moments, but he did it on two tracks. It's where he did it. One was the Roval. Uh, we knew all about Toyota's issues last year on road courses and everything else. 
and he still went to the Roval and figured out a way to win the race. And I know, Jeff, like, I mean, it took a weird circumstances and a bad caution, and, and, and I'm not dimis- diminishing that, but he still did it, and that's impressive. And then, two, he went to Martinsville. I mean, you know that young drivers don't do well at Martinsville typically. It takes a long time for drivers to get comfortable there and do well. He went there in a must-win scenario and won the damn race and did it rallying. Like, that, to me, tells you everything you need about his ability if Gibbs's cars are anywhere close to where they were last year, he's going to do great things this year. I like Adam Stevens as a crew chief. I think he's one of the more underrated crew chiefs in the garage. I think Bell this year, I think he wins five, six races and just has one of those huge years. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to look at what he did at the end of last year and think he's going to fall off. I mean, it's he's only on the rise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's My only going to keep it getting better. Yeah, he's... <laughs> Yeah, he, he definitely feels like a driver that could explode, but at the same time, it's, you know, you never know what the competition's going to do, but it exactly. feels like he's, he's got the talent to do it for sure. Well, our next team to talk about is Hendrick Motorsports. It's pretty shocking to get this far uh, down the list, uh, but, you know, we're going in order of points. You know, Chase Elliott ends up, uh, he wasn't going to finish fourth probably at, at Phoenix, but he ends up getting into that incident with Chastain on a restart. And uh, that ruins his championship hopes. Obviously, um, Larson, you know, he should have made the championship four, if not for the weird Roval thing. You know, still made it on uh, owners' points, um, but not the season we would have expected out of Larson as a whole. I mean, the you know three wins after having ten wins the year before. Obviously, the next car. Yes, way too many mistakes by driver, by team, just all around. They just they just shot themselves in the foot too many times. Larson, I mean, it, it was it was weird. Um, it was like he was having trouble finding himself a little bit last year. Not to jump into one driver specifically, no, but yeah. you know, I mean, you think about like the Indianapolis road course, the bizarre incident where he apparently like sort of just lost focus going into turn one, and I don't know what happened, daydreaming or something, and sort of missed his breaking point and, and smashed into Ty Dillon in that really scary incident. Um, then later in the year, he's like thinking. He's saying, you know, after after he gets cut from the playoffs, he's like, you know what? I need to be more aggressive. And I, I sort of talked myself into not being as aggressive and not taking all the positions I should have been. And now we're out of the playoffs. So he he's at, you know, Vegas um, racing hard with Bubba Wallace and, and is trying to be a little bit more aggressive, makes a mistake, and then obviously gets into the, the incident with Bubba Wallace where Bubba hooks him and gets suspended and all that stuff. Um, and... You know, it, it was just a really weird year to follow up a championship year where he, he couldn't do anything wrong. I, I, I really think it's it was a lot of it was the car and just not being able to dominate the way they could before. And that makes a driver go, well, wait, is it me? Is it something I could be doing differently? I, I don't think it was, but I'm sure it gets, you know, you're just like, what else can I do? Um, and you, you just sort of get, you know, so far down the rabbit hole on trying to figure things out um, when sometimes you know, especially with the next gen, it seems like you just got to take what you, what it gives you. But let's t- talk about Larson first and, and share your, your thoughts on him. Yeah. I, mean, I echo your point. I mean, it just seemed like it was a year where they were just off, you know, drivers off, team was off too many mistakes. Um, I think it's, it's telling that even in a down year, they still won three races <laughs> and that number could have been even more. And a couple things here and there, uh, you know, drivers who win their first titles, you know, it seems like they get that first title. Like, okay, this is what we're going to do every year, right? Oh, we can do it. We've proven itself. And then that's that follow-up year 
is there's a little bit of kind of a, a reality check a little bit of like damn this this is hard like this is not easy and it's not you see that a lot like jimmy johnson is the exception who you you know usually like brad keselowski wins the title in t- 2012 next year in 2013 misses the playoffs and doesn't win a race until october at charlotte right i mean you just see this it's really hard to kind of follow this up um and, and especially young drivers and so to kind of have that year where you're kind of okay we kind of you got to bring it every single week I think you're going to see a different Kyle Larson this year. I think you're going to see a Kyle Larson that was more similar to 2021, a driver who realizes, like, listen, I need to get my act together. He was talking about it at the end of the year. I need to be better. I need to be smarter. I need to stop making the mistakes I make and get my head in the game. I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt that he's going to do that. I think he's going to be a really good year, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be fighting for the championship come Phoenix. So, you know, I, I do think there's, there's a little bit of um... – because we, we could see that there was going to be a drop-off with the next-gen coming, right? Because they yeah. weren't going to build their own cars anymore. There's no way that he was going to win double-digit races again. We had said that going into the season. Uh, I mean, he had one of the most dominant seasons in history the year yeah. before that, leading over 2,500 laps and, and all this stuff. I mean... Double-digit wins. and Yeah, but I mean, the, the thing was, I mean, before the sign falls on the track at the Roval, and, and he makes a mistake, obviously, but he's still in position to... Yeah win and, and go to the final four ultimately, which is a um, scary thing, right? Like, <laughs> you know, cause, cause you know, Homestead was going to come up in that round. He ends up dominating Homestead, um, even with the off and, and, you know, he still led Hendrick motorsports in top five finishes last year. Yeah. Um, so, that's, you know, it you, shows you how high our standards are for him. Right. I mean, right. like, uh, yeah. Well, we think he's, you know, a generational talent. So, yeah. I, and I think he's, I think he's going to be better this year. I think he's going to be smarter this year. And I, I, I think you're probably in the same boat. I think like, I think they're going to be the, the, the team that just comes out and kind of starts beating people on a regular basis again. So Chase Elliott, you know, he had that, he, he had never before put together like such a consistent season, uh, really was the guy to beat in the points all regular season long, really kind of just ran away with it, dominated, uh, ends up winning five races, uh, which matches his career high. And, uh, you know, 20 top tens, you know, really respectable all around. Um, but <clears throat> you, you never sort of could get a true read on like what you were going to get from that team on a week to week basis. Um, oddly, you know, dis- as uh, despite how good they were in the regular season, uh, he ends up with only two top 10 finishes or sorry, three top 10 finishes, the entire playoffs but only two single digit finishes. So he finishes second in Bristol night race. He wins Talladega. Uh, other than that, he finished 10th at Martinsville and listen to his last, um, five races overall in terms of the finish. So 20th at the Roval 21st at Vegas, 14th at Homestead, that 10th place at Martinsville 28th at Phoenix after the incident on the, uh, the restart there with Chastain. So, um, Odd, very odd. I mean, just to yeah. have such a uh, strong regular season and then they just didn't really, weren't able to replicate it consistently during the playoffs. Yeah, and I agree. And and again, I'm kind of like Martin Truex Jr. I'm going to defend Chase Elliott here in the sense that their stats, if you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, a little underwhelming. But they led a lot of laps at, at Texas. They had a tire issue there and, and were victimized. He crashed out of the lead, right? At well, the everybody Roval, crashed out of the lead at Texas, but yeah. It's very true. But he, I mean, he had arguably the fastest car, right? Or one of them. He was going to be in the mix, right? Uh, you go to the Roval, he was going to win that race until that sign fell on, on the track, and then everything, all hell broke loose, and I, he ended up spinning out. And So 
you know, those are two races right there in the playoffs where if he even finishes in the top five, we're looking at this differently. Um, you know, in, in Las Vegas was a miss. They they were at times last year, they they didn't seem to be on the same page and, and it seemed like Chase kind of struggled with what he needed to tell the team in terms of adjustments and how to make the car better. And they would kind of fall off a little bit. Um, you know, we know what Chase Elliott is at this point. He's going to, you know, you can count on Chase Elliott to win three to five races during the regular season and finish well in the standings. And, and then come the playoffs, he's going to be a factor again. My expectations for him in 2023 remain the same. I think he's going to win three to five races. He's going to be a factor in the regular season championship. And he's got a really good chance to make the final four again. Yeah, I. but it doesn't feel like... Um... Like, I don't feel, you know, I, I get you're saying that, okay, there's there's other stuff, you know, other times he could have won and, and his stats could have been even better in a way. But I also feel like what you what you just said is is the most accurate statement about, like, this is kind of what he is at this point, um, where it doesn't feel like, man, we're still waiting for him to break out and, and you know, win even more and win double-digit races. I think, like, he's reliably going to win, you know, every month or so and be in the mix and he's going to, you know, when he has a fast car, be in contention and, you know, he, he's going to be a capable, solid driver for many years. Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, he's going to win more than five races this year, or have a better season than last year, because I think like the season he had last year is great. And I don't really think you're going to be able to top that. I mean, that's kind of unrealistic in, in a way for me, uh, looking at the whole landscape of parody and all that stuff. So the one driver there that I think, you know, you want to see more out of still, and you see flashes at yes, times yes. is William Byron. You know, William Byron started off last year so well. Um, and you're like, okay, now here we go. This is the Byron that this we, is the year. right. We, we we're finally seeing him, you know, sort of rise to the level. You know, he wins that first Atlanta race. Uh, he w dominates the, that boring Martinsville race. And you're like, okay, almost wins Darlington too, by the way, which yes, is, you know, and he wins thing. that. He's got three wins in the first what eight nine races, and you're like, whoa, okay, yeah. As as it was, uh, he you know he wins twice in the first eight races, and then uh, never wins again. Um, and you know by the end of the regular season, uh, I think he was tenth uh, in points or something. So, um you know, you were like, man, what, what happened? I mean, they went, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, the last 10 weeks, of the regular season, he did not have a top 10 finish at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually he only had one top 10 finish. Oh yeah. He only had one top 10 finish in the regular season after he won that Martinsville race. Yep. So after the, the entire rest of the regular season, he finished ninth at Sonoma and that was it in terms of top tens. Uh, wow. Like what, ha what happened there? Like I, it's, it's so they just sort of lost their momentum or something, but it's just always kind of the same thing with Byron. Like you keep waiting for like, okay, like he's good. We, you know, the talents there, like he's got it. Like he's got a fast car. He's got a good team. He's got a good crew chief. They're going to put it together. You're just sort of waiting. And it's just sort of like still waiting. It feels like. A lot of speed last year in the race cars. A lot of speed, a lot of performance. What they did not have was the finishes and the execution. A lot of mistakes, driver and team alike. A lot of just bad luck where races they were fast and then something would happen, it would knock them out. They led a lot of laps last year. They just couldn't turn that speed and the performance into results. And, you know, if you can pop up and win races along the way, you know, it doesn't matter because you can get away with it. 
but they couldn't figure out a way to kind of punch through. And when it came to the playoffs, you've got to string together some consistency if you're not going to win races. At some point, I keep thinking Byron's going to break through, and I I think this is going to be the year, and I feel like a broken record. But he is too good. This team is too good. They made a lot of strides last year. I know you look at the stats and you're like, oh, really, though? I mean, no, but they did. They were consistently fast last year. He won two races for the first time in his career. I feel like that's a jumping off point. I feel like he's going to kind of take that next step. And I'm going to, again, give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's a driver who is very, very good. And if he's got the team behind him, the team can execute to their abilities. He's going to be a factor. And he, like Bell, I think are going to be two young drivers that we talk a lot about this year who kind of take that next big step. Yeah, it's just such a mystery to figure out because, um, like, he led 746 laps last year, which is third in the whole Cup Series. Um, it was Chase Elliott, Logano, Byron. He led more laps than Chastain, Blaney, Larson, Kyle Busch, Hamlin, all these people, right? But he only had 11 top 10s overall and five top fives. The 11 top 10s, uh, lowest of his career except for his rookie year. Um, he had 20 top 10s a year before, 12 top fives a year before. So... You're just like, well, what? It's it's sort of odd to just try to figure this team out, but I, I'm I'm still high on Byron. I feel like he's going to put it together. He's going to be around for a long time. Um, I'm not too concerned. It's just like the waiting game is sort of odd with that team. Yeah, I agree. Now uh, I think we're going to be differing on this one um, because <laughs> you've made it known that you're not. Uh, you don't seem to be tremendously high on Alex Bowman. That's no one. I didn't realize it was no one. <laughs> Well, even Twitter's talking about it lately. No, it was sarcastic. Oh, um, it's been brought to my attention by numerous people. I I'm way more high on Alex Bowman than you are. Um, what I mean, what are what is you know? Again, my argument is he was he had made the second round of the playoffs. Um, he was probably gonna have a, a decent chance to advance to a third round or give him give himself a shot or be in contention, especially with the Roval there. He, he always runs well. Um, you know, he, he could have done something there. Who who knows? I mean, his teammates were like you, you mentioned earlier, Chase Elliott was in position there. It, there's no reason Bowman couldn't have been, um, you know, so it, it could be a different situation. He doesn't get that concussion. Uh, I think he was having a pretty respectable season. Um, you know, it, it wasn't great by any means. Like it, it was going to be, you know, he wasn't going to win four races like he did the year before, but everybody was sort of having more down stats last year. Um, I still feel like there's potential unlock there. I don't feel like he's, uh, you know, not capable of being worthy of Hendrick in any way. Like I, I think he belongs there. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not out on him at all. Um, I think he can have a nice solid year again and, and win race. I mean, he's won races for four straight years. He's made the playoffs every single year. He's been at Hendrick. Why, why are you not, what, what are you missing there? I, he's perfectly acceptable. Like he is a fourth. He is a very good fourth driver at Hendrick. He, he, to your point, he is going to give you a race win a year. He's not going to make a lot of bad mistakes in the racetrack. He's going to do those things that you want to see. That's fine. I, I just, when I compare to his teammates, though, when your teammate, Chase Elliott, is winning five races, and your other teammate, Chris, uh, Kyle Larson is winning three races and William Byron is leading two races and leading a ton of laps and probably should have won more races. You got Alex Bowman who won a single race and he went through a 14 race stretch last year without leading a lap, 14 races without leading a single lap. That's not good. And you look at the number of laps Letty last year, 
only 137 and 107 of those came in one race. Like those aren't stats befitting what you expect out of a Hendrick Motorsports driver. Like you expect more. And the win at Las Vegas was fine. He needed a caution flag though late. He got a great restart. I will give him credit for that. He needed a great restart to beat Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. to win that race. But he still, like, I just want to see more race wins out of him where he wins not because of circumstantial stuff. It's because he goes out there and kicks people's butt. And I just, you know, he's he's fine. He's going to make the playoffs. He's going to win a race. I don't expect anything more out of that, though. He had more top 10s than Byron did last year. That's fine. I don't. I, I look beyond that, though. Like, that's great. I want wins. I want laps led. I want stage wins. I want to see dominance. I want to see, you know, Byron – Byron gave me that Byron look at the nuggets and like he led a lot of laps last year. And again, they had a lot of things that could happen to them. Like you didn't get that. You don't go 14 races when you drive for Hendrick Motorsports and not lead a lap. That's unacceptable. So philosophically, would you rather have a driver? And I'm not, I'm not, I don't even know how to answer this question yet, but you're talking about, okay, Byron leads the third most laps in the series, but he doesn't have the results to show for it. Yeah. And then you're saying, well, Bowman you know, geez, he, he keeps winning these races. He's not really supposed to win, but he's in position to win them late and he's in a position that's to get the that, results. That's a skill set. Sure. So, so do you want to, would you rather have a driver who is going to show the speed, but not end up with the finishes and the results that you need and score all the points and get the wins? Or would you rather have somebody who is taking what the car gives them or what he feels is he's getting out of the car that day, doing the best they can. And then they happen to be around at the end. Uh, you know, to finish first, you first must finish. I, I get what you're saying. Here's what I want. I want Byron. And because if you're, if you're the other option, you need a lot of things to work in your favor to, to, to break through and get that win. Where I look at a William Byron and they've got the speed and they've got everything else. If they can just tidy up a few things and not have bad luck and not have misfortune strike them when they're, they're out there leading races, they're going to take that win and they're going to grab it by the throat where Alex Bowman, it's like, uh, I need to have so-and-so I need a late caution or I need so-and-so to break or I need this to happen. It's like, okay, that's great. And you continue to put yourself in position. You deserve credit for that, but just go out there and take a win every once in a while and show me from the beginning to the end that you're the best on a given week. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Um, should be interesting to see if he is able to work something out with Hendrick in return. Um, that will say a lot about how, Hendrick views him and ally. I mean, allies seems to be firmly in his corner. Um, and and I think they like him. So there's a lot to like, I mean, he's, he's a perfectly fine, good driver. He's going to give you good results. He's, he's, he's a good driver over there. Well, when have all four Hendrick cars all been firing at the same time anyway? That's a good question. And it's not, it's not something that happens often. And it's, it's been an issue. And I have to look at the numbers. I it's, it doesn't happen very rarely. Um, it doesn't happen often. Let's put it that way. Well, our next team on the list to talk about is Stuart Haas Racing. And, um, you know, uh, it's this is an interesting team. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously uh, a, a big time of change over there. Uh, do you, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I mean, it's weird what to expect out of Stuart Haas Racing. They, they, their cars just haven't been fast, right? I mean, that's that's the truth. I mean, for the reality is, is consistently they've not had a lot of speed in their cars. It goes back to what we said about Penske last year. Ford as a whole just seemed to be off a little bit. Um, Harvick got those two wins at the end of the regular season at Michigan at Richmond, which were really impressive. I, I am convinced if he would not, his car wouldn't have you know self combusted at at Darlington, he probably was going to make a deep playoff run because I, I just believe in him that much. But he just had misfortune and he was never going to recover from that. 
Um, I, don't, I mean, to me, Harvick's year, I, I think he's going to have a good year. I think he's going to win a couple races. He's going to be in the playoffs. I, I'm not sure, you know, about Eric Almarola. I'm not sure about Ryan Priest. I mean, Eric has got this this ability where it's like you kind of write him off and just kind of like dismiss him and then he'll win at New Hampshire and like change your mind about things. But I, I don't know. That team needs a lot of things to go right for them to make the playoffs this year. I, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Ryan Priest is in a non-spot. I think he's got talent, but he's got to be able to show that he can put that talent to good use in the cup side. And he needs to avoid bad finishes. He needs to stop doing to trying to do too much. Um, that was the big thing when he was with JTG was he overdrove a lot. He tried to do be Superman. And when the car wasn't there, he put it in bad spots, and that led to crashing, and that led to bad results. You can't do that. You've got good equipment here. Even if it may not be what it used, we're used to seeing out of them, you just get what you can out of that race car. And if you can do that, you're going to be in a good spot. Don't give yourself 30th place finishes on the regular because you're going to be in a point hole you can't overcome. Chase Briscoe is an interesting guy for me. Um, I, I believe in him. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he's got a lot of upside. Great interesting year last year and the great in the sense that he won his first race he had a really really strong playoff run um but in between that though that was a lot of yeah right so i think in his third year i think he's one of those guys that we got to keep an eye on i think he's got the potentials there for him to really kind of take that next big step um need to see more consistency out of him but i think the capability is there wouldn't be surprised to see him as a driver that wins two or three races this year he's in the playoffs easily and i wouldn't be surprised to see him you know contending for a spot in the final four i'm pretty high on briscoe i feel like um he's just sort of still getting his legs under him and is capable of i mean especially when you think about uh some of the moments that have been big moments and and it, it doesn't go his way or you know he makes a mistake or something uh, if he can clean up some of that stuff, um, you're talking about a guy who can be a pretty consistent threat. But that's that's something you have to learn. I mean, you have to learn how he's to a younger ever. He's yeah, a, you know, you know, be in yeah. races late, be in those situations late. I mean, it's yeah. even uh, even with all the experience Ross Chastain had had before getting in a good car, you you see him sort of like, okay, I I need to learn how to race up front with these he's still guys. Struggling now. with it, yeah. You know, yeah. So I think I I think Chase Briscoe will come around on that. Um, the Cole Custer move, you know, over to Ryan Priest was was interesting. You know, when you look at Cole Custer's stats, I mean, it's it's hard to argue with why they put him back down at Xfinity. I mean, he had a combined five top five finishes uh, in the last two seasons. Uh, no top, or sorry, did I say top fives? I meant yeah. top tens. I meant top tens. Okay. Uh, yes, <laughs> five top ten finishes, no top fives, no wins. You know, he'd gotten that win at Kentucky and, in 2020, uh, had two top fives that year, seven top tens. So, uh, the, the next two years, he's not able to match that those, any of those totals combined, um, you know, finishes 26th in points followed up by 25th in points, you know, the average finish, just not really there. So Ryan priest, isn't going to have that much to try to, you know, if, if Ryan priest even gets say seven top tens, everybody's going to be like, well, I mean, it was a upgrade over what we had in that car before. So I don't know that the, I mean, I, I get why like, okay, the pressure's there in a way like, you know, this might be Ryan Priest's last chance and a good ride, but I don't know that he has to set the world on fire. You just got to sort of be close to your teammates. I mean, if you can, if Ryan Priest can sort of be like an Eric Almarola level and, and put up similar yeah. stats to what he does, I think he'll be just fine. And by the way, Eric Almarola last year, seven top tens. Um, so it's not, you know, 
and Eric Almirola has had a lot of job security thanks to Smithfield for a long time. And we thought that last year was going to be yeah. his last year. He ends up uh, coming back for more. Yeah. Still not totally sure why he'd want to, I guess, but I mean, he's still young enough that I guess free he bacon, feels bud, man. Bacon's good. You give me free bacon. I'll get, I'll do anything for you. Yeah. Well, uh, it's an interesting team though. Cause you, you know, like you said, I mean, I Harvick in his final year, what's he going to do? How's he going to, Contend, he's going to have every single week people saying, it's yeah. your last visit here, your last time here, whatever. You, you um, look at guys in their last year, too. You go back to Gordon. You go back to Johnson. It's a struggle. Like, they, they're getting pulled in all these different directions. There's, a, there's like, this added pressure of, I want to go out on top. I want to go out, you know, the right way. And they, they almost try to do too much. And you go back to Gordon's final year in 15, it was, like, every week during the regular season. I mean, he and, and Gustafson had these con- these tense conversations on the radio, they weren't having the results they wanted to, and it was frustrating. They finally got that moment at Martinsville, which was great. But, you know, Jimmy Johnson's final year was – we all know what that was like. It's really hard for these drivers. Dale Earnhardt Jr. the same way. It's really hard when you've got all this extracurricular stuff and you're getting pulled all in directions It's it's to maintain that focus on the racetrack. I think Harvick's kind of the exception to this because he's really good at – I can't say this word. Carmet, car, you know. Compartmentalizing? Yeah, I can't say it. I tried it. I, I was on that. Uh, and uh, – He's really good at that, so I think he's going to be able to kind of push that aside to some degree, but it's going to be interesting. This is a team in transition, too, not just Harvick. Like, we don't know about Eric Almirola's future, if he's going to race behind this year. Ryan Priest is on a one-year deal, right? Um, this is a team very much looking for its identity and trying to figure out its way a little bit. And you have a disgruntled co-owner. Uh, I mean, Tony Stewart doesn't seem to be – was very, very, very unhappy with NASCAR last yeah. year with the big penalties given yeah. to Harvick given to Cole Custer's team for the, you know, man- manipulation at the end of the Roval. Um, he has an NHRA team now. His wife is racing an NHRA. Spends a lot of time over there. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, he's looking at NASCAR going, why the hell am I doing this? Why the yeah. hell am I doing this? You know, I mean, that was what it, it, it came off as a lot last year. So sure. there's a lot of moving pieces over there, a lot of stuff there's swirling. A, there's and a you giant know, you're, cloud of uncertainty just kind of hovering over this organization. And it's been that way for a little while now. And it feels like that cloud is just kind of growing and moving in even more. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like a, a team in a transition. They've been kind of in flux, but especially with their, their identity, you know, so tied to Harvick and him. Uh, yeah. getting ready to move on too. I mean, that's, that's that's the thing I wrote about in the athletic this week. We don't know. We, we talked about this in the podcast last week. So there's no need to rehash it too much, but we don't know about the sponsorship of that four car and what Anheuser-Busch is going to do and what they do for sponsorship on that four car is going to play a big factor in who ends up driving that car down the road. Next team we need to talk about is Richard Childress racing big, big changes over there as they have Kyle Busch replacing Tyler Reddick. And uh, of course, the question will really revolve around what we think Kyle Busch is going to do. You know, you kind of know what you're getting out of Austin Dillon at this point. Um, I, I think, I mean, I don't think Austin Dillon, I, I think Austin Dillon is actually a bit underrated. I would agree with that. I, I agree. I mean, he's not going to light the world on fire, but he's a driver who doesn't make mistakes. He's a driver who kind of just gives you everything he can get out of the race car, puts himself in good position, and he's a very, he's a solid driver. I mean, he, he could have won that Coke 600 last year. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, he ends up winning Daytona thanks to Reddick's help and, and making the playoffs at sort of the last gasp, truly the last gasp, uh, uh, moment there. But you know, it, it, you, you can't really count Dylan out and just be like, well, he's, he's not going to be a factor. I mean, 
there's going to be a couple times every year where he's in the mix and, you know, he'll come up and surprise you. With, um, now, uh, you know, so again, we, but you know, you're what you're going to get out of him, right? Like it's, it's yeah. pretty, he's pretty consistent. You know, he's, I, I can't really picture him winning. I mean, he's never won two races in a season. Mm-hmm. He has, his four career wins are spread out over multiple years. Um, a lot of weird things in his win and his wins that had to go right. Not not trying to discount him, but that's that's the reality. Like all four of those wins, like weird things had to happen to, for him to win those races. And you know he's, uh, you know he's only gotten more than um, he's only gotten double digit top tens twice in his career. And by the way, he's he's been full time since 2014 now, so he he's quite the veteran guy. I mean, I it old. might not seem like that, but um, so yeah, I mean. I think Kyle Busch can help raise his game and, and elevate that team. It's it's more about what Kyle Busch is going to do, though. So yes, that's everything you know, about RCR. It, it's I it's I still feel like he's going to have a good year. I still feel like I'm not down on Kyle Busch. I feel like he's this is a chance for him to refresh and rejuvenate himself. And we talked about this on the podcast um, even during this off season. But um, I, I feel like it's going to be a disappointment if Kyle Busch doesn't have you know, at least two wins, um, at least doesn't make, you know, Hey, the round of the round of eight, I mean, it would probably be a disappointment. Um, I, I feel like mm. he's going to, he's going to take this advantage, take this opportunity with the new team, help put his identity there, help elevate the organization. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't feel like it's going to go badly. I would be surprised if he runs worse there than he did in his final year at, at JGR. What do you think? I, this is the most interesting team in NASCAR this year is the number eight team and really kind of, or RCR as an organization. Um, I can make, I could tell you why I think Kyle's going to have a phenomenal year. He's refreshed. He's energized. He's going to, he wants to prove his doubters wrong. He wants to show JGR like you made a mistake and I'm still really, really good. And I'm going to go out here and kick everyone's butt. And I could also make a really strong case of why this could be a very frustrating and disappointing year. I'm not sure which way in the pendulum this is going to swing. I think a lot of it's going to depend on RCR. I think Kyle coming out of the gate, we've already seen it. He is he is energized. He's excited. He's eager to kind of prove everybody wrong and punch him in the mouth and say, listen, I'm still Kyle Busch. I'm still forced to be reckoned with. That's great. That's a great mindset. But after, let's say, five races to start this year, your cars aren't competitive and you aren't to the level that you're used to, to running at. Is that energy and enthusiasm still going to be there or is it going to wane? And it comes back to my big issue with RCR, which is year-to-year consistency. This organization, year-to-year, has struggled to be great. Last year, they were – people don't think we realize how great they were last year. Reddick had three wins, could have won five, six races. Dylan was consistent. This was a really, really good team, borderline great team. If they have those cars this year that they had last year, Kyle Busch has every opportunity to do everything you talked about. But – if they take a step back this year and it's a struggle and the inconsistencies there and the performance isn't there, how does Kyle Busch, who isn't somebody who always handles adversity well, and when things aren't going you know, his way and doesn't have the cars around, you know, equipment underneath him, how does he galvanize the team? I could see it going sideways in a hurry if that's the case. Here's a stat for you. Um, Kyle Busch, eight top five finishes last year, lowest of his entire career, even his rookie year, as bad and inconsistent as that was in 2005, uh, he still had nine top five. So he was uh, that win at Bristol. Like he won a race last year, but he needed chase Briscoe 
to crash Tyler Reddick on the last lap to win that race. Otherwise, right. he misses the playoffs. Like, I mean, it's that's I mean, that just kind of underscores the year you had. So it is going you had that kind of year at JGR and now you're going to RCR and you compare the two organizations, the numbers speak for themselves. So we'll see. Uh, he's still never had a winless season, if you can believe that. No, he's not. Quite a streak. Quite a streak. I look at that and he says probably do for one. I don't, I don't know. Well, we'll see. We'll find out. It's going to be very fun to watch that storyline this year. Legacy Motor Club. I like to refer to him as Legacy MC, Jeff. I'm sure you do. As we saw this week on their hauler, did you see the hauler that they put out? I think Jimmy Johnson had a, a picture of it. No, I glossed over that. Uh, it was a, on the side of their hauler. Big, huge Legacy MC. Yeah, that's the way. Run with it. I love it. I'm going to get you one of those t-shirts. But you it was all capitalized, of, Jordan. It was all you know capitalized. Should, love that. They should actually sell like biker vests because it sounds like a biker club. Like I thought about this. They should sell like legacy MC biker vests and like, you know, feel like maybe like kind of a cool gang or something. Legacy sounds like an old people's biker biker club. Well, a lot like of biker it's... gangs are old people. So, Well, <laughs> is that true? The biker, I, I, I can see where maybe some bikers are people who are retired or something, but biker gangs are old people. I lo- let me just refer to this. I just love bikers. I think they're wonderful people. Um, direct all criticism to Jeff Gluck and I will give you his address. Please be, don't hurt me. Wait a minute now. You know, what do you define as those old people, by the way? We're both in our 40s. I, I, well, I am having a really hard time accepting the fact that I'm in my 40s. I don't act like I'm 40. I sure as hell don't act like I'm 40. Um, and I don't think I look 40. So I try not to think about it too much. I, I was, oh man, you just teed that one up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just hit it out of the park. And I'm, go ahead. I'm just not going to. No, no I'm not, go no. for it. You know, it's a new year. It's a new year. I'm, I'm no, no, I'm, go I'm for it. No, I, I'll, I'll just pass on that one. Are you calling me old? One. I look old. What? Uh, so anyway, legacy MC, um, what, what are they going to do this year? I mean, it's, uh, they bring on Noah Gregson, uh, to replace, uh, Ty, Ty, Ty Gibbs, Ty Dillon. Ty Dillon. Uh, yeah. Um, I get confused all the time too. It's like, <laughs> well, I, I was just kind of spacing out for a minute up there. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about how Noah Gregson is going to be required now to wear the, uh, the, you know, uh, Noah Gregson was walking around, um, yeah. all year last year with his fire suit unzipped. Hey, look at chest me. I'm not wearing anything yeah. under this. I have no fire protectant, uh, underwear like and NASCAR Let came out with a rule breathe. this week where they were like, um, nope, that, that is now required. So you won't see any more pictures of that. I mean, may, maybe he won't. Cause I don't, I don't think they're going to do checks on the underwear, but, uh, you won't see any more pictures of his bare chested under his fire suit. Um, I wouldn't think because that would be a penalty of some kind. I don't know what, how, how will they, how will they, uh, officiate that if somebody's not wearing their like fireproof underwear, underwear police? Or are you like going up to drivers after the race and you're like, Hey, I, you, you've got to unzip your fire suit. I, like the NFL has got literally uniform police. Like, you know, they're, like, they're on the sidelines. They have guys like checking socks, you know, width and measurements. I, I don't know. I don't think NASCAR will do that. I think it will be more of like, if they happen to find out that you're not wearing it yeah. or they see you not without, you know, without a head sock, without, uh, you know, the fire retardant gear on, um, anyway, uh, so Jimmy Johnson obviously comes aboard as co-owner Eric Jones. Great year last year, really beyond, uh, I would think everybody's expectations wins the Southern 500. Um, now is, is this a, a team that you think, are you, are you looking at Eric Jones and going, okay, that's a, a, a guy I'm going to be picking for the playoffs, not to spoil our playoff picks later, but. Um, is that a guy you think is going to make the playoffs? I mean, Gregson first full year in cup. How's he going to do? What, what are you thinking? 
Yeah, for Gregson, my expectations are muted for a couple things. This is a rookie driver coming into the Cup Series with a team that is very much for the 42 car specifically is rebuilding and he's got his crew chief luke lambert coming with him from jrm from the xfinity series which is a, a big thing there i think gregson's expectations is you can finish top 25 in points have a you know few top 10 finishes not have a bunch of races where you're wrecking equipment and just not embarrassing yourself i think that's a, that's a good solid rookie year and he'd be happy with that um jimmy johnson like i have no expectations anything i just don't think it, i don't know we don't know what he's going to run besides daytona i mean he's probably going to run the north wilkesboro maybe the 600 if he does the double or something but it, i just it's really hard like I, I don't know what you put i don't even know how you say this because he's never driven the next gen car before you go back to 2020 last time he drove in nascar like it wasn't a great year i just at this point i, I don't even know what you can say eric jones is different um i i I am high on Jones. I've talked about him a lot. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in his talent. If I was a big money team, I would be interested in having him as my driver. The the unknown thing is, though, we don't know what this car is going to be like. Is parity still going to be a thing? Can teams like Legacy MC, all capitals, Jeff, um, continue to run with and beat the big teams on a regular basis? Is this parity going to be a thing this year like it was last year? If it is, I like Jones. I, I like that team. I like where they're at. I think they can make the playoffs. If we see a little bit of separation where some of the bigger teams are kind of pulling away and they're kind of hoarding the wins, that could make it a little bit tougher for him to make the playoffs. I, I don't know if he and that team are in a position where they can point their way into the playoffs, but I think they can win their way into the playoffs. So um, I, I think the up, the upside, the potential for the 43 team is high. But there's some factors outside of their control. But I do like what this team is. I like what this organization's at, and I like what they're building for the future. Yeah, I probably won't end up picking Jones for the playoffs. I'm not sure yet, but um, you know, because just because I think you're going to need a win, and um, you know, he he certainly had fast cars at times last year, um, and it, look, super impressive season. But I just am not sitting here today like, oh yeah, that's you know that they're. They're going to be a playoff team. He's going to win multiple races. I mean, look, I, I'm obviously wrong about a lot of things, so I'm happy to be wrong if that's the case, but I'm just not envisioning it this time. Um, but I think he'll still be a solid year. I mean, when you look at his numbers, I mean, uh, boy, first of all, Ty Dillon numbers last year. He had Oof. one top 10 finish. His teammate has 13 top 10 finishes. Um, just not even really in the same ballpark. I mean, it was like they're two completely different teams uh resource wise or something I, I don't know what what went so wrong for for ty dylan they could just never connect it um but yeah it just wasn't it, it was almost like a one car team then they had also oh yeah by the way ty dylan's on our team too um it was really really weird but i think that um i think gregson will run you know more competitively with jones but i don't think you know again rookie um you know, I'm, I'm not thinking Gregson's going to make the playoffs or win a race. Uh, you, you, you probably have to have some sort of a super speedway win, win for something like that. But, um, you know, and, and as far as Jimmy, yeah, like you, uh, no real expectations for anything. I mean, if he finishes top 10 in any race, I mean, yeah. even Daytona 500, I mean, I think I'd be like, wow, that's really impressive to me just for not being in the car and already, I mean, he's, He's old. <laughs> I mean, he's late forties, and um, you know, I, I don't think time is kind to uh, drivers in their late forties, in particular. Um, let me see how how old is he exactly? He is uh, 
He's going to turn 48 this year, later this year in September. So, uh, look, he's obviously still in shape, and I think he's the GOAT. I think he's the greatest ever. But uh, like you said, in his last year with Hendrick, when they had really good cars, and the next year that same team goes out and wins 10 races in the championship, uh, and, and he wasn't able to yeah. win with that. You're just like, well, I mean, I, don't, I just don't know what he has left. And again, this is a completely new car. So, and he's not running full time. So it's, it's yeah. going to be tough to, to get your hands around it. But again, so we have expectations low, but if, you know, there's room to surprise us there. Next team, uh, all the way down the list here is 2311. Um, but obviously very exciting for them to have Tyler Reddick now and start building with him. Bubba Wallace, uh, has a lot to build on from the performance and the speed he showed at times. Um, you know, I, I think I would probably think that both those drivers are going to make the playoffs this year. They should. I would Absolutely. think it would be a pretty big disappointment if they, Agreed. you know, if, if, if either of them failed to win a race in the regular season, I think that would be pretty disappointing. I think that's the bare minimum for, for both those drivers. I'm high in 2311. I think if they can have the same speed in the race cars they had a year ago, um, Tyler Reddick is a phenomenal talent and he, you can just look at what he did last year with RCR and really, really the three years he was RCR, like he really made, you could see like he was lifting that team up to a higher level than they had been. He's a phenomenal talent. If they are anywhere close to having the cars they had last year, I think he wins multiple races this year. I think he makes the playoffs. I like Bubba Wallace this year. I think Bubba showed tremendous growth. If you go back to Nashville last year, which is kind of the Nadar for this team and they had the pit road issues and he was frustrated and melting down on the radio since that moment, they figured it out. Bubba got his head in the game. He got mentally better. He was more involved. The meltdowns were less. The team figured out their pit road issues. He was start knocking out top 10 finishes. Not just that he was finishing the top 10, but he was doing it on racetracks that you don't typically see Bubba run well at. Road courses, for example. He was starting to string together consistent good finishes. Had that really breakthrough win at Kansas. I, I think this team has to make the playoffs. I think both these teams are going to be in the playoffs. I think Reddick is one of those sleeper teams. Um, you know, you typically you always say, well, first drivers in first years, you know, usually struggle with their teams and they can't be threats. Well, I'll tell you what, Kevin Harvick in 2014 won the championship in his first year with SHR. Kyle Larson in his first year with Hendrick Motorsports won the championship. I'm not saying Tyler Reddick's going to win the championship next year. I'm just, I do think he's going to be a player and I wouldn't be surprised if he's fighting for the championship at Phoenix. Um, the question is with this organization, they're bringing their pit crews in-house this year. So they've got more hands-on with that. Does that go smoothly? Do they figure out those issues? Can they get that sorted out? And there's a little bit of – there's growth with this team. There's, they're, they're adding a third car on a part-time basis this year. Like, I, I just – just try not to run too fast too soon. Does that make sense? You know, make sure you got your legs underneath you and try not to do too much. And the team so far has been able to navigate that well so far. They stumbled a little bit last year at the beginning of the year trying to figure out the two-car thing, but they did – I think this organization's in a really good spot going forward. You know, I, I, I will pump the brakes a little bit there. Um, I, I, I think they're strong and I think they're capable, but we might've, you know, the, they showed speed at times for sure. Like those, those two Kansas races where they, they sweep Kansas. Right. But are they going to be able to do that consistently? I mean, they're still very much a building growing team. Uh, they're still trying to add the pieces and get them. So, I mean, it's, it's still, they're still just gradually climbing the mountain to me. So, you know, while I do think Reddick will win a couple races and I think Bubba could win a couple races, I don't know if, I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be at the top level, but um, 
I mean, even Kurt Busch, I mean, in it, we only got to see a, a sample size of 20 races for him last year, but his average finish was still, you know, 16.9, um, you know, eight, eight top 10 finishes. Now, you know, you can say, okay, well, how many would he have had if, you know, that he mm-hmm. runs all 36 races, you know, he's probably low double digit top tens or something. Right. So it's not like he would have blown the, you know, it's like he had the, like these unbelievable cars. Um, mm-hmm. Bubba had 10 top tens in his 35 races. Uh, and again, you know, he picked up speed toward the end of the year and, and got himself together. But, you know, I, I just think they, they still, they've got to find more speed and more consistency, more consistent speed specifically. But, uh, I do think that they're going to be, they're a playoff team. They have resources. They're going to be good. I just am not, I'm not like thinking like, okay, final four runs for these guys yet. That's, that's all. I think just Reddick's an elite talent. And I think, Oh, I think Reddick is a superstar. And I, and I, 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 Kurt was doing really good things that, or you look at what he was running well, you know, winning, finishing top five, three top five finishes in his last like six races or something like that. Um, I think Reddick is a better driver at this point in their career than Bush is. Um, I, so I, I think that's going to be the difference maker. We'll see. Uh, it, it, they're, they're a fascinating team to watch. I will say that. Another team that's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on and, <laughs> and sort of tough to predict is RFK, Roush, Fenway, Kozlowski. Um, man, uh, you know, it, it seemed like, okay, by the end of the year, like there was a little bit more to get excited about there. Chris Busher wins the Bristol night race. Um, you know, it's, it seemed like maybe Kozlowski was running better than he was. I mean, but at the same time, when let's say like, just look at the last 10 races. Okay. Um, average finish for drivers who ran the last 10 races, Chris Buescher, 18th, Brad Kozlowski, 20th. And so that, that kind of gives me pause a little bit because I'm like, well, wait a minute. They were, they were much better in the playoffs. I thought. And I think they were, but still, when you compare them to the rest of the field, I mean, Justin Haley, for instance, outran both those guys in the playoffs, um, average finish wise. And he, you know, he didn't win a race, but, um, you know, he, he, Justin Haley had two top fives in the playoffs, for instance. So, you know, it's, it's, you're like, okay, well, where is this team going to fall? How much are they going to improve? Are they going to be are they going to have taken a big step? Are they going to be around the same level? Uh, I, I really don't know what to make. This is going to be the hardest one when it comes down to playoff predictions. Cause I, that's sort of me like my last spot. Like can Brad Kozlowski really go another year without winning Busher? I mean, you just know, I'm not really sure what we're going to get from him and what we're going to get from RFK as a whole. I have no idea. I echo everything you said. And I think the thing with Brad, I, he did run better in the playoffs. He had a you know a top five at Homestead. He followed it up with a top five at Martinsville, which was later thrown out because they had a inspection violation in terms of ride height or whatever. And shrug your shoulders at that. They did get better towards the end of the year. Both of those cars were really good at Bristol. Brad maybe should have won that race at Bristol, but he had a you know mechanical issue. I, I don't know. I mean, I spent some time this week at RFK talking to some folks, and they're they're bullish. They're like, listen, you maybe the results don't speak for it, but towards the end of the year, we were our cars were much better. And if you look at where we were at the beginning of the year, towards the end of the year, we made tremendous growth and they feel like they have continued that growth over the off season. But I don't know. man. I, I, I got a lot of people doing a lot of things in, in 2023 and winning races. And it feels like I got 20 guys in the playoffs and somebody's got to miss the cut. Right. And 
I just feel like it might fall on RFK. I don't know. I just, I don't have a giant reason of saying I, I feel very confident. I, I thought Brad would have a better year last than he did. I thought it was going to be a struggle, but I thought he would be able to elevate that team. And I don't know. I just, there's just something that just feels like to me that's missing. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's tough to put your finger on it, but I will say that when you look at their sort of high watermark moments, um, I mean, aside from Bristol where they really hit on it, right? Like he finished seventh in the Southern five because this is finished seventh in the Southern 500. That's great. You know, um, he finished eighth at Texas after, you know, a bunch of people, you know, had problems and things like that. Um, but you know, he's, he's able to finish that race. Um, you know, Chris Busher, you, you get really excited about, you know, his win at Bristol and think, okay, that's, that's a sign of things to come. But, um, he only had one other, you know, finish, finish better than, uh, 10th in the playoffs. I mean, he has six at the Roval. So if that's like their sort of high marks, then how are they going to compete unless they win a race? So you're really saying, okay, do we think they can win? And I don't know. Are both of them going to win races or either of them? It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to see a path there that is an easy path at least where you're like, okay, well, they're going to have speed here. And so they can win here. And you know, uh, it's tough. I don't know. Road courses for Busher. I mean, that's possible. Road courses for Brad. Brad's never won a road course race. Yeah. But Busher, I feel like had really showed some speed. Yeah. Like, remember yeah. that Sonoma race last oh, yeah, year no, and stuff. Yeah, you know, he's, I'm sorry. I, I was confused. Yes. Chris is very good in road courses. Don't get me wrong. Yes. My apologies. Um, where I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out a path for them to, their path is wins, Brad, but Brad is Brad is is a couple things is is Brad is still very very good on the speedways like they were very good in those races last year. There's five of those races during the regular season. They win one of those races. Yeah, but okay, I, I, I totally great point, and and you're absolutely right. But there's so many people we're talking about where they're like exactly yeah. exactly like it's it's I'm not saying like you're great in those races, but there are still outside circumstances that are to your control. Like you can't you know you got to be very as great as they were at Daytona last year. They, they swept the duels. They were a factor in the race. You, you still, you, you got to have a lot of things go right. So it's that's the thing with this team, though. It feels like a lot of things have to go right for them to make the playoffs. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you have to rely on the speedways, you're thinking, okay, well, yeah. that's what Eric Almirola is thinking, too. That's what Justin Haley, who we'll talk about in a minute, is thinking, too. Yeah. You know, guys like that. Pretty so Jr. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, speaking of Justin Haley, um, <laughs> it's time to talk about college racing. And, you know, I, I, I think Justin Haley might be the single most underrated driver in the cup series. He really never gets talked about at all. I agree with you. Um, but I think he's impressive. I mean, he's, I agree. I think he's going to have a breakout year. He's got the potential to be a breakout this year. Nobody, I mean, nobody talks about him at all. Like he's really, even, even when he finishes, like he finished what third at Texas, Mm -hmm. third at Texas, fifth at the Roval, I think, um, I mean, I think the guy is, is talented. Uh, and, and, you know, it obviously a lot has to do with how colleague will run, you know, you don't, you don't know how colleague's going to do as a whole. Um, but I, I, it feels like they're going to, they're still taking a step up maybe. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I you know, I think Almondinger is going to win a race at least he's going to win a road course race. Now he's full time in cup. So he's going to be a playoff guy. And I think Haley, you know, they, they sort of go together. I mean, I, I don't know, man. What, what are you thinking? Could, could this be a double out of nowhere, double playoff team? 
I'm so glad you said this because I, I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna go out on that limb and then you were gonna mock and ridicule me because that's what you live for. Um, I, I think AJ Elmendinger. I, I think he makes the playoffs. I will tell you that right now. I think he wins a road course race. He is in the playoffs, no doubt. I like Justin Haley a lot. I like Colleague this year. I think they could be the surprise organization where like we're talking about like man, how do these guys get so good? Um, Haley is Haley had a year last year. He's basically a rookie. Like we're gonna apply the Ross Chastain thing to him. Like he had run a bunch of cup races before, but he never run full time with you know elite equipment. Like he did a really really good year, and he got better as the year went along. He doesn't make mistakes. I think if colleagues' cars are as good as they were last year, and they, they, they and again it kind of goes back to what I said about the parity. If the parity still exists and colleague, there's a win, there's an avenue there for colleague to, to run well against the bigger teams. I think they can really do some big things this year. I am telling you, I am not going to be shocked at the end of the regular season if both AJ Allmendinger and Justin Haley are in the playoffs. I, I just will not be. I it, part of me almost expects it a little bit. So the um, fewest DNFs last year in the Cup Series. Michael McDowell had two DNFs. Justin Haley and Ryan Blaney had three DNFs. So when you when you refer to like he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, um, you know it's a guy who he's still learning to run, run better and run fast, but he's, he's, you know, he had one crash, you know, he got up and he caught caught up in the, the Daytona crash, uh, for the end of the regular season. Uh, his other two DNFs were engine and electrical. So he's not crashing out of races and he's still a young driver and he's clearly talented and with speed. Um, I echo everything you said. Uh, now it's, it's going to, you know, Look, is is a twenty three year old in a in a sort of mid tier team? Am I going to put him on my playoff list? I don't know. It's going to be a tough. Uh, that's going to be a tough ask, I guess. Right? But boy, if you picked that and then you were right, you'd look like a genius. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but I, I I do feel like he's uh, more people should be talking about him. I think he's a driver to get excited about and uh, continue to build around. Front Row Motorsports, we just mentioned Michael McDowell coming off a career year. Um, another one that probably, I mean, we talked about it and people, you know, mentioned it. Um, but I don't think he probably got the kudos that he really properly deserved last year for just how impressive he was with, I mean, 12 top 10s. I mean, you when you are, you know, we've been talking, we've been referring to a lot of, oh, top 10s and, and things like that in this episode. And uh, people that didn't have nearly that many and, um, you know, really capable high powered drivers who are, are big names. Um, I mean, the, Michael McDowell just really, I mean that he, his average finish was 16.7 previous best career average finish was 20.5. So almost he takes a, and, and he had been getting better every year. Uh, but in, in almost in single year, he almost takes a leap of four positions, um, obviously a lot went right there with Blake Harris as his crew chief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now he'll you know, have to go through another transition. Um, but man, I mean, Michael McDowell, when you look at it, I mean, even though he's, he's a veteran, he's getting up there in years, uh, you know, he, he had more top tens than, uh, William Byron, Bubba Wallace, Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, uh, Chris Busher, same amount as Alex Bowman, and all these teams are really much more funded than his is. So kudos to him. 
Michael McDowell is a very good driver. You know what you're going to get with him. He's a driver who, you know, puts his, gets the most out of his equipment, doesn't put himself in bad positions, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Last year was a, a career year across the board in a lot of respects. You know, he didn't win a race like he did the year before, but again, consistently wise, really, really good year. You mentioned it though. Blake Harris was a huge factor for that last year. Blake Harris in his first year as a crew chief was a sensation. He brought a lot of engineering, and I'm using air quotes, and I and I say this respectfully, know-how uh, to how to make cars go faster, right? And you know, as he likes to tell me, and he tells everybody, he's the most suspended car chief in, in NASCAR history for a reason, right? <laughs> um, and, and again, I say that entirely respectfully. Like that's what you your job is to do. He is a really, really good crew chief, and I think they're going to miss him a lot at, at front row. Travis Peterson comes in there. He's got a big role, uh, hole to fill. You know, Blake going over to Alec Bowman, and I don't mean to circle back here, but I do think if you're thinking Alec Bowman's going to have a, 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 another step up, Blake Harris is probably that because he's now the crew chief over there. Um, it's going to be hard for this team to replicate what they did last year. Um, it's going to be really, really hard at that to do that. I think this team does take a step back a little bit. Um, it's unfortunate. I think Michael's a really good driver. I think in the right situation with the right team, he could be a winning driver. I just don't see this organization having anywhere close to the success they had last year. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's just going to be tough to match that. I mean, that level of top tens and that level of average finish. Um, I mean, all, all he was really missing was a win and it would have been like, wow, this is, this is just a phenomenal yeah, phenomenal I mean, year. Points penalty, they hit a huge points penalty at the you know, like a hundred point penalty too, which they would have finished up higher in the standings without that. Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Um, now Todd Gilliland, I mean, you know, here I, I don't have any, you know, I didn't have any expectations for him at all, right? I mean, a rookie on a team that is pretty, you know, underfunded, uh, you know, compared to some others. But what does he have to do to keep that ride? Obviously, they've got Zane Smith, you know, waiting in the wings. I'm not, I don't know how they view. Zane versus Todd or Zane versus Michael or, um, how they would do all that. But, you know, I think Todd had some, some good run. I mean, he, you know, there was that one, uh, the, the Indianapolis, you know, the crazy circus clown show Indianapolis race that was, uh, not NASCAR's finest moment, but, uh, that was the one where, um, you had, uh, Burton and Gilliland both finish in the top five there. Um, so that, that was good for him. And then, uh, Gillen got a, a seventh place finish at Talladega. Um, you know, there was some other decent runs, Martinsville 13th. Uh, but, you know, I think he was 15th in the first Darlington race. But, you know, again, it's a rookie for a team that's not, you know, he's, he's still trying to get his feet under him. He's coming from trucks. You know, what, what does he have to do this year? Just keep building on his own stats or does, you know, does he have to do more than that? Yeah, I mean, he's got to be better than this. He's got to finish in the top 10 a few more times he's got to finish higher in the point standings than he did the most important thing the the avenue for them to be better this year is qualifying he has to qualify better he had an average starting position last year at 27.5 out of, out of guys who ran the full schedule last year that's second worst only Corey lajoy had a worst average starting position uh, when you're a rookie without experience and you're starting in the back nearly every single week that is an uphill climb you've got to be better in qualifying you've got to give yourself track position You've got to you got to show incremental gains. You, like the expectations from front row, everybody understands what you're facing over there. You don't got to work like the world on fire. You got to take care of your equipment. You got to get the most out of it. You got to start finishing that top twenty on a consistent basis. Top tens aren't even a thing, really. I mean, if you can get a couple top tens, great. You want to do that. 
but just have a little bit of consistency. Show an avenue of growth. And the Zane Smith thing is something to watch. It can't be ignored. Ford is extremely high on him. He is under contract to front row. Or he's driving for front row, I should say, in the truck series this year. Where Zane fits in in all this is, is really to be determined. Is he a front row guy? Does Ford come in and try to steer him somewhere else? Um, you know, if you're Michael McDowell and Todd Gillen, you're operating on basically a one-year contract over there. And you've got to look over your shoulder and say, there's a possibly a younger, cheaper alternative, um, you know, out, out there and they, that people are really high on. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. This is a this is certainly a team that's it's got a lot of question marks and we'll see where they go from here. Well, if we can jump around for a minute, because I think these two are sort of tied together, but Harrison Burton for Wood Brothers. Same thing. Um, you know, if, if you look yeah. at, at, you know, Todd Gillen again, like, okay, there's only three drivers that ran full-time that finished lower than him in points. Ty Dillon, Corey LaJoy, Cody Ware. But on the other hand, right above him in points was Harrison Burton, uh, 27th in points. They each had, both Gillen and Burton each had one top five, two top tens. Their average finish was 0.4 apart. Um, you know, now you could look at Todd Gillen and say, Okay, you know, I, I don't know how to evaluate this, but when you look at Harrison Burton driving for basically a Penske car with Wood Brothers, then you go, okay, now he's really got to step it up, right? Like he's yes. really got to show some improvement. Um, you're basically, you know, essentially teammates with the guy that won the championship. And, you know, you're more back down in the standings with a front row driver. Uh, you know, I, I get a rookie, but at the same time, that's 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 a guy where the the expectations and the the pressure you would think are going to sort of ramp up on him, fair or uh, fair or not, uh, he, he's just by nature of the team that he's driving for it has it has to be higher expectations. I'm really glad you brought this up, and that's a great point by you when you compare Gilliland to Burton and where they're at. And if you look at that, like Gilliland probably outperformed expectations because. Burton's in a basically a fourth Penske car. If I'm going to make a list of, of guys under the most under the pressure this year, and it's kind of a thing I do each offseason, Burton's making my list. Like it seems unfair for a second year driver, but you've got to be better. And when you look at what the results of that car were before Harrison got in it, it was they were flirting with the playoffs. They made the playoffs one year and they were flirting with wins. And there was a huge drop off. Now that's a rookie driver. That's fine. That's understandable. But year two, Harrison Burton has got to be better. You've got to run, you know, in the top 20 regularly. You've got to start knocking out some top 10 finishes. You've got to show people, you've got to prove to people that, hey, listen, if you just give me a little bit more time, I can get the job done. I just need to get my feet underneath me a little bit. It's a big, I hate to say this for a guy entering his second year in the Cup Series, but like this is a really, really big year for Harrison Burton where it almost feels like he's almost at the crossroads. Well, I mean, we we all talked about, um, you know, Matt Benedetto in that car you know, the year before. Right. And, you know, he was viewed as, Hey, he couldn't get the job done. You know, he, he had two years with them and, and, you know, he was seemed to be potentially on his way out after the first one. And then he was able to get a, a second year. Um, but, uh, and, and people, you know, criticize him. Hey, he couldn't win in that car and Penske car and all that stuff. But I mean, his numbers compared to Harrison Burton's numbers, I mean, it's not even close. I mean, De Benedetto vastly mm-hmm. outperformed uh, Burton in the 21. Now, again, rookie season, you know, it's not really fair to evaluate well, the that. the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But now this year, though, you really got to see some improvement because you had a guy that averaged um, three top fives and 10 top tens uh, in his 
two years in that car. Um, you know, if, if the other guy that replaced him can't even come close to that, I, you know, there's other people out there you would think that would, you know, yeah, like you said, so that's going to be, that's a tough situation for a young driver, really tough, but that's also kind of what you get when you get a good ride. You sort of, that comes with those expectations. Whereas Gilliam, you come in under the radar and everybody goes, well, if he does anything at all, it's fine. Nobody expects anything out of him. That's, that's the nature of the ride you, you land in. It's the nature of the beast. JTG Doherty racing. (laughs) What do you, what are you thinking here? I, what they do every year. Like there's going to be moments where Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Like, wow. Okay. Where did this come from? Dover last year, finished the second. They've got a string of like, what three races. They finish in the top 10 and you're like, wow, this team is looking good. And, and like they may be on the upswing and wow okay you know and then they've got stretches where it's just not good and ricky's crashing cars they're they you know he's making mistakes on the racetrack the team isn't executing this team has all of the resources to be better than it is to finish better than it is and yet every year it seems like they're just floating around the 25th in points mark and at the end of the year you're like what in the heck happened? Why aren't these this team better? There is zero reason to think that this year is going to be any different. They're going to finish in the top 10 a few times. They'll probably have a few races. They look good. But at the end of the year, when it's all said and done, it's probably going to be 25, 26, 27th in points and probably a lot of wrecked race cars. I mean, you hate to put it that way, but you look at the numbers and the numbers just don't really bear out um, much reason for optimism here. You know, Stenhouse last year had his worst average finish since 2015. Um, It wasn't a good season. I mean, he had five top fives, but like you said, I mean, there's sort of a, I think there's a little bit maybe of a myth out there that JTGs like, you know, sort of in the underfunded range or whatever. They're not, they, they have a lot of funding, a lot of resources, a lot of funding, um, they're, they're one of the more better funded mid tier teams out there. So for, for what they spend and the results they're getting, it's not, it's, it's just not matching up. They've got to take a step up. Um, there's really no reason not to last year. It, it just, it, I mean, you can't have that car finishing 26 in points. No, um, and they're way better than that. They should be way better than that. So no. And like bringing another, it's the same thing of like, okay, well, Brian Patty's Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s old crew chief from from his Roush days, right? And they're going to recapture this magic. Well, they really didn't. So what do they do? We're going to bring back Mike Kelly, Stenhouse's crew chief from his Roush Fenway days when he had success. Well, like that's just a tired formula that doesn't work. Be innovative. Go find that next hot engineer who's got all these creative ideas and put him in charge of that team and be different. Just don't keep doing the same thing over and over again. It doesn't work. This team should be better than it is. There's no excuses that they're not. And it's, they are what they are though. I don't know. I mean, it, I think there's two ways to look at that, right? Like if you feel like, um, are, are you trying to unlock the performance out of the car or the driver necessarily? Right? Like, so look, I'm, I'm here in Denver, right? Staying out the, looking out my window right now with snow covered ground and off in the distance, I see downtown Denver and behind that is the football stadium where Russell Wilson stunk up the show all year after getting a high contract. And what happens? Well, the coach gets fired, not, you know, they don't get rid of Russell Wilson. They're trying to find the, you know, they're in a coaching search right now to try to see 
who a big priority, who can unlock Russell Wilson, who can get the performance out of him. They're not saying let's get the next uh, okay. offensive coordinator with the great scheme. They already kind of tried that, uh, you know, the, the sort of hot name They're They're trying to say who, who is a guy that can specifically extract a performance out of this guy and find somebody we're comfortable with. I mean, Rudy Fugel with William Byron, that's what Hendrick is trying to do essentially. Right. I mean, Rudy Fugel is a great crew chief, but Hey, let's get a guy from the truck days. Boy, you look so exasperated with me right now. Okay. Like, uh, Russell Wilson has a, had a horrible year as a quarterback, but his body of work shows you that like, he can be an elite-level quarterback. He is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback who can carry his team and at times has looked like an MVP of the league. There's no way, shape, or form is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. comparable to that. He has never, as a Cup Series driver, looked like a been an elite Cup Series driver. He's never elevated his team to a higher plane. He's never carried his team to, to a level that they can't ascend to. Like, no way. Like, there is nothing to unlock about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at this point. That thing is locked like seven different ways, and you're going to need a, a jackhammer, a, dyna, a stick of dynamite, and the world's greatest cat burglar to unlock that thing. Like, it is what it is at this point. Okay, well, I, I don't disagree with you on, like, the Russell Wilson comparison, but what I'm trying to say is there's two schools of thought on how they want to go yeah. about it, right? Yeah. Like, they are they're looking at it as like, okay, do we want to try, like, how are our cars? And how is our driver? I think they they must feel they look at this and say, we're they just we're, bring, that. we're bringing in a guy that's comfortable with the driver. Now, the one thing about Stenhouse, we I mean they they have speed at times. They have something they can get out of their cars. Time. What really hurts them is when they crash out of a lot of races. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. last year of his DNFs. Let's see, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven crash-related DNFs. Now, that's not saying he crashed seven times. Um, he had seven DNFs yeah. that were specifically due to crashes. He had more crashes than that, that he was able to stay in a that's race. Excusable. Well, so but that's what I'm saying. So now you get somebody in, maybe but you're trying just, to you get the driver whisper, like, hey, this guy. That, but they just did that with Brian Patty, and it didn't work. So you're doing the exact same thing. Like, so you, I get what you're saying, and you're right. Like you, you, you try to bring in somebody, like, but they just did that and it didn't work. And so right. I'll use your comparison. Like in the NFL, you always say, like, if you if you're firing your NFL your head coach, you all teams almost go 180 degrees. If your your coach is an offensive guy, you go defensive. If he was personable, you go get a hard ass. You know, like you do all like they need to try. Don't do the same formula you just put. Go try something different. And they haven't done that. They just keep doing the same thing, trying to hit hit lightning in a bottle. It's like, it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, okay. It's all good points, but also you only need one win. You yeah, only need one fine. great week. That's, one win. That's fine. That's fine. Keep yourself that's... in the races. Sure. Try to be there to capitalize. Well, they don't keep themselves in races. They crashed out seven times last year. Well, that's what I'm saying. So you get a guy who's like, Hey Ricky, listen, man, like, let's just take what that it gives you. Exist, you know? I don't think at this point, there's no proof that this guy exists because Ricky's never done it. <laughs> It's it's hard to argue with a lot of your points. I'm just trying to maybe look at it a little bit different way. That's oh, your I'm facial just... reaction right now are great. It's so good. Uh, we're down to the bottom three teams. Um, let's start with Spire. Uh, right. Corey LaJoy and Ty Dillon are their drivers. Corey LaJoy, of course, he actually had a shot uh, at Atlanta last year. Uh, yeah. That Atlanta summer race going against uh, Chase Elliott just didn't work out for him. Um, could he have made a move a little bit different? I don't know. I think 
either way, he was going to lose it uh, at that Push point. It could, right? It's hard but, to say. Um, you know, the whole, I think this, the whole Spire thing was, you know, at first you think, okay, they're going to build and they're going to get better and they bring Latard in and they're going to keep, you know, they, they have these relationships and they're going to, they're going to get better and they are going to stack the pennies and all that stuff. But you look at what they, the cars they put out, I mean, their cars suck. Their cars are slow. LaJoy is doing what he can with pretty bad cars. I mean, they're. They, they have a, you know, a nice name and logo and image and all that stuff. And, and you think, well, they're not, they're not anywhere close to like what Rick Ware is or something like that. But I mean, they, that's, that's the level they're at. They're, that's, they are the, they're, they're right there with Rick Ware and live fast essentially. Right. I mean, they're, they're below a front row. They're, they're not, they're not at the level where you, you know, you could look at it and say, Hey, LaJoy's underperforming, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's their cars. Am I am I wrong? No, you're you're not wrong. ATNF last year for Corey Joy, that number's too high. A lot of it wasn't his fault. The car's got to be better. You can't expect your driver to 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 make miracles in you know w- with that kind of situation. They have to just avoid mistakes. You've got to bring cars to the racetrack that are better. When those cars are good, you've got to take advantage of it. It's just this team feels like it's going the wrong direction. And instead of like you said, Jeff, instead of stacking pennies and building towards something, it feels like they're not. And last year was, I think, underwhelming. And like, I mean, even if Corey would have won in Atlanta, he, the reality was he still would have left Atlanta outside the top 30 in points. And that means you don't make the playoffs unless you get above that threshold. Um, You just, you have to avoid bad finishes when you're a team like this, you've got to start making I say this all the time. If you've got a 25th place race car, you got to finish 25th, at least 25th, if not better. You can't take a 25th place race car and then finish 35th with it. You can't do that. And too many times this team was playing behind the eight ball. Um, You know, it's an interesting team because they're trying to do, you know, I don't know. It's just really hard to figure out what what they want to do and what their goals are. And I I don't really know what their clear objective is because it it doesn't really seem like that's been stated. I mean, you look at – it just seems like across the board, it's like, like, okay, so LaJoy had a 24.3 average finish last night or last year. Um, Landon Castle ran half the season in one of the other cars. He had a 24.1 average finish. So they're pretty much the same. Um, Josh Balicki, uh, he ran half the season in that other car and he had a 29.1 average finish. So that wasn't certainly any better at all. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's nothing there's, you dive into their speed, you dive into their numbers, they're qualifying, uh, there's just nothing to show that they're like a team that is about to see big gains. They're like trying to do the best with what they can, but they're never going to be like a big resource team. I don't think, I mean, they're just, they're, yeah. they're just trying to, you know, hit here and there and, and gradually improve their results. But uh, I don't think they're going to take like a huge step. No, and, I, we'd I be re- and we'd be reversed to say Ty Dillon is running full time for that team in the 77 this year. Yeah, so in, in coming off a luck with that. coming from a team that had way more resources, yeah, and with and he had one top ten. So, I, and yeah. I, I'm not actually. This might surprise you. I think Ty Dillon is is a capable driver. Um, I think he's better than he's shown. But yeah. I yeah, think he's I mean, it's a it's... it's a tough situation going. Remember that that press conference where they were introducing them and like yeah. like Ty Dillon was just like. 
Yeah, I'm so excited to be he to a, inspired. He looked like he was in a hostage video. I was there. I was sitting there, and I was like getting text messages from people who are watching this, and I was just like, he looked like he was a hostage video. To your point, like I made the joke, like he is what he is, but there was a point where people said he was better than Austin Dillon. You know, like there was, and there was a time where I, I thought he was, and it feels like he's just been in these bad situations, right? Like not where expectations are so low. And what you can actually achieve is is really minimal because the, the resources around you aren't that great. And it like it almost feels like he's just been worn down. And like, and he's not the same driver he once was. And maybe it's a confidence thing, you know. Maybe if he got into a right situation and and it could rebuild it a little bit, that would be something. He's a driver who I honestly think you'd be best served to go the Xfinity Series with a good team, go down there, win some races, and just rebuild your confidence and remind people like, hey, I'm I'm still good. Yeah, it's tough. Well, I mean, you know, he remember he did have um, some starts with Gibbs, mm-hmm. and uh, he he wasn't able to do much with those. Um, so that I think that hurt his confidence too, right? Like when everybody else is winning in the fifty four car, and you know he's not getting the results there as well. That 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 can sting, you know. Um, so yeah, I I think it's got to be a lot of confidence because I I remember that too. I mean, I did a story. Where really? I went to uh, the Volusia when the Dylan brothers were running dirt late models, and Ty was just more coming along, and everybody's like, "Yeah, I mean, Ty." Even Austin was saying, "Like everybody thinks Ty is like better than me, and it's going to be better than me." And people were definitely buying that hype and his car control and stuff, and people were very impressed. So, but see, does that mean it's not there though? Like, I think that it it still it could be yeah, there. It just um, needs to be tapped. But I will say that I, I think it could be tapped into, but is this the right situation to tap it into? Because this just feels like the same. You're kind of just going down that same road again with a team where it's going to be a struggle. You can only do so much. And it's, it's, yeah. you know, is this going to help you regain your confidence? I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I think the answer obviously is pretty obvious. Well, the thing is, I mean, working for him advantage wise, he's only 30 years old. He's got over 200 cup starts, 160 Xfinity starts and 58 truck starts. So, um, he's got a ton of experience. So like if he could get into something where it's fast enough, I think he's, but it, yeah, the key is putting yourself in that situation again, Rick Ware racing. Now, Cody, Cody Ware, I think was much more respectable last year. I mean, he gets, he's the butt of the jokes a lot. Right. But, uh, I thought he had some pretty positive moments at times last year, considering what our expectations are for that car. Um, I don't know. What, what what do you think? You didn't seem to be yeah. buying that. No, I mean it's. I think I think you're right. I think he you did better than what we expected last year. But I also think I mean the the bar was so low that it would have been pretty easy for anybody to clear it. Um, he did fine. He was perfectly respectable. He did fine. Um, I was I was pretty high on Rick Ware Racing last year at this time. We talked about this. Like I thought that was a team that was. I was really confident, and I felt like they were building towards something. They had the the relationship with SHR. They had the renewed relationship with Ford. And it felt like they were, you know, they'd scaled down to two cars and they're really putting resources behind this. And it felt like they were building towards something. And, and it, I don't know, it just, last year was okay. I don't know what I was expecting, but I, I expected maybe a little bit more from the 15 car, which had, you know, it, and it's really hard to judge because they're putting in different drivers every week and, and all of that. And it's just, this team is is an inter- interesting spot. They've got a new alliance this year. They're no longer with SHR. They're now with RFK. Um, they're on the campus over there. Does that help at all in any way? 
we'll see. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's an interesting team. They're, they're trying now, which I don't know if you could always say that. I mean, they're trying, you know, the, the, it feels like they have a plan. I, I just don't know if it's a, if it's a workable plan. I mean, the one thing about you, first of all, your expect, my expectations were completely bottom of the barrel. So, uh, anything that's, you know, an improvement I look at like, so, so in 2021, uh, Cody Ware's average finish was 31.1. He improves that to 27.8, um, year to year. So, you know, I see, okay, well, Hey, he, he took a step up now. Anytime they finish outside the top 25, you're like, okay, well, that's where I thought they'd finish today. So any, any positive beyond that is, is good. Um, you know, but I, I will say like, uh, I think that they need to try to pick up their lead lap finishes. He ran 35 races last year. He had to miss the one after his Texas crash. Um, he ran 35 races last year. He had seven lead lap finishes. So, um, that, that, that's tough to, I mean, you just don't, don't have much to work with there, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I have no expectations for them once again. So really anything beyond that. I mean, if if he can improve his average finish, I mean, they're sort of racing against themselves and, you know, live fast and, and teams like that in a way. Right. That's it's it's hard to gauge what they're trying to do because they're again they're on a different they're on a different plan and agenda that most other teams are. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, that kind of plan, I mean, you have Live Fast. BJ McLeod ran the majority of races um, in their car last year. Uh, he ran twenty nine races. By the way, he had four lead lap finishes and a twenty nine point one average finish. People love BJ. Obviously, uh, the story you did on him last year was uh, one of our top posts i think about all the other cup drivers praising him and uh how much they like racing against him he's a smart guy because he doesn't try to do too much with this car he takes mm-hmm. care of it he gets out of the way he's respectful, respectful to others he, he gets the situation he's in and he doesn't try to you know he doesn't do dumb stuff you know what i mean um and so he gets a lot of kudos and praise for that uh that car though it you know needs a lot of work yeah, I mean, and BJ's not going to be in that car this year a lot. I mean, Josh Balicki's going to get the the bulk of the driving duties over there. Uh, they've got a new alliance this year with ECR. I'm sorry, RCR, and they're going to get ECR engines. Um, so a little bit of a changing in the game plan where, where BJ was kind of the, the main driver last year and, you know, and drove just about every single race. Um, this year it's going to be a little bit different. It's Again, it's a team that you don't, you have to be very careful about how you look at them and assess what they're doing. It's a team that you kind of almost root for in a way, like, you know, because they, they've got a lot of good people over there, but it's, 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 it's an uphill climb for them. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it didn't seem like Balicki is going to do that many races though. Right. Like, cause they more build it as like select events. Like I think he's doing um, like Coda Chicago. He's like doing some road courses. You might be right. I thought he was doing more than a. Uh, I, I maybe I'm wrong. I, I thought he was doing more than that. I thought he was doing more of a handful, but maybe I'm wrong here. I don't know. I yeah, but I think I think you're right though, in that um, you know it's better for BJ to have drivers who are bringing sponsorship to that car to try to offset some of the. Um, I mean, and they had they had a variety of drivers last year, but he just ran the bulk of them. But I, I still think he'll be in that car a lot. But um, I guess they haven't re- maybe really announced that, but. Yeah, th- those those three teams are sort of, um, you know, if, if they do anything at all, it's a it's an amazing story 
sort of like, you know, when, when Haas and F1, when like Kevin Magnuson mm-hmm. has this great, you know, moment to win the, the pole in the rain or whatever in the, in the shortened race, a uh, sh- shortened qualifying session, abbreviated qualifying sh- session that they had there. And uh, you're just like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. Um, so underdog stories in the making, we, we need those uh, to pop up more often for our, our line of work, to, you know, because that's exciting to write about and talk about, but really no expectations other than that. Good guys. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think, um, that's, we've made it through all the teams. Uh, that was it. All the charter teams took us a lot longer than we thought. Yeah. All the charter teams, there'll be more teams, you know, trying to enter the Daytona 500 and stuff, but those are all the, the charter teams that we expect to be running full time this year. So any final thoughts on, uh, the season is, I mean, we're, we're going to give our playoff picks and all that stuff as we get uh, a little bit closer I, to the season. So we're not going to go just, down that road yet. No. And I'm glad we're not. Cause I was just going to say, I mean, as we go through this list, I, I swear to, I swear to you, I think I have 22 guys making a playoff this year. It's tough. It's tough. And it's really going to come down to the big unknown, which is how many of these teams can win because yeah. now if you only have tw- 12 winners in the regular season, then it's a completely different conversation. Cause then you go, okay, well, Hey, a guy with the 16th average place, average finish, you know, like an Eric Jones, maybe he, he points his way in, uh, or an Austin Dillon or somebody like that, uh, or, or a busher if they don't win. But if it's, if it's okay, you got to win races again and you're trying to sit here in January and predict, Oh yeah, this guy's going to win a fuel mileage race at Michigan and make the playoffs and, or, you know, turn somebody on the last lap or crazy, Bristol dirt finish or whatever it is. Uh, that's, that's a lot harder. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll address that later. Only one more podcast until we have racing to talk about at the clash. We will do that next week and then we'll be, uh, live in LA to discuss some actual real life racing. And won't that be a fun day? Can't wait to see you, buddy. All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening as always, and we will talk to you next time on The Teardown.